This week of the Tech on Tap podcast, Matt Watts joins us to talk about how some of us live above the data, some of us below, and how we can all get along. Welcome to the Tech on Tap podcast with Justin Parisi. I love NetApp. Oh, yeah. NetApp. I love this company. Zipork. Zipork. I love NetApp because it's so funny. <laughs> Hello and welcome to the Tech on Tap podcast. My name is Justin Parisi. I'm in the studio. With me today is Dan Isaacs. Hi, Dan. Hey, Justin. How, how you doing? I'm I'm doing great. I'm very excited about our guest today. I love Matt Watts. <laughs> yeah, he's great. Um, but first, let's talk about you. Who are you, and how do we reach you? Uh, I am Dan Isaacs. We just said that, but yeah, go ahead. Yeah, you can reach me. <laughs> you can reach me on the Twitter at Dan Isaacs. That's D A N I S A A C S. Or uh, you can shoot me an email, isaacs at netapp.com. And what sort of things would people want to ask you about? Um, Well, uh, college football, math, uh, astronomy. Um, So I could ask you how you think Michigan's going to do this year in football? uh, That team up north is not going to do well. I mean, you know, can you tell me more about Michigan? I know you're a big fan. I, I could tell you quite a bit, so... They've, they've actually got a... So, tell me about the poster of Jim Harbaugh above your bed. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, that's the that's the photo I have uh, <laughs> taped to the bowl of my toilet. Anyway, uh, yeah. so more specifically, what do you do at NetApp that people would want to reach out to you? Uh, oh, oh, yeah, yeah, that. The relevant things. Yes. Yeah, so <laughs> I'm the TME for uh, Waffle, which is uh, Data on Tap's file system. So I, I can answer, or find people who can answer, uh, you know, your most uh, arcane questions about about the uh, file system related things. Um, I'm also longtime advocator and implementer of uh, NetApp Flash, so I know a lot about the Flash things. He's flashy. Our guest is is in Australia this morning, so our guest is not in Australia. Oh, where are you today, Matt? Uh, so you're not the first person to think I'm Australian. No, I'm from the southwest of the UK. Why did I think you were? In- That's John Martin. John Martin's oh, the, the Aussie, New Zealand, it. Kiwi guy, <coughs> right? We're, we're quite different. Very, very different. <laughs> yes, yes, very different. <laughs> to us Americans, they're they're, they're identical. Ah. <laughs> it's a bit Dick Van Dyke, isn't it? Yeah. Yes. Yes, just like just like we're all the same guy. All right, uh, so. <laughs> Matt is here to talk about his latest blog post. So, Matt, I'd like you to introduce yourself, tell everybody what you do here at NetApp. Sure. Thanks, Justin. Um, so, I'm Matt Watts, and I've been with NetApp for pretty much exactly 14 years, actually. And um, my current role is Director of Technology and Strategy, um, and I work as a part of what's called Brand and Influence Marketing, which is really trying to shape the, the story, the narrative as to where NetApp's going for the future and how we want to be perceived in the market. All right. So... Um, if we wanted to reach you, how would we do that on social media? So um, at MTJ Watts on Twitter and um, I also on my blog, yeah, watts-innovating.com. And your blog is what we are here to talk about. So yes. um, are you familiar with the tradition of Groundhog Day there, Matt? <laughs> well, I, I, know the, I know the film with uh, I know the film. You know the film, but are you f- familiar with the tra- tradition of the groundhog seeing his shadow, and then you know six more weeks of winter? 
Yes. Yeah. Well, the yeah. groundhog saw, saw a shadow, and Matt Matt Watts blogged. Is basically what happened here. So uh, Matt Watts has a new blog out on Watts Innovating, and when Matt Watts has a new blog, I like to talk about it. So uh, we're going to talk about that today. Your blog post. If you could just kind of give us the high level of what it's about, and then we can start diving a little deeper into it. Yeah. So um. So to be honest, it was kind of inspired by something Becky Elliott wrote, who's one of um, one of our NetApp A team members. And she wrote a blog about a company she used to work for um, and how people people who kind of worked above the data and relied on data had very, very little interest in kind of what sat below it. And she was kind of noodling about things that had gone wrong and, you know, some failures that they'd had with some, with some systems. Um, and, and she'd been kind of highlighting it to people saying, you know, we need to invest more. But she was coming at it from a very technical perspective. And the people who were kind of up above the technology working with the data just there was this there was a kind of a breakdown in that communication they they just didn't understand it and it kind of got me thinking about we have a lot of the technology that we have is kind of what sits below the data um, and a lot of the opportunity that we have to influence applications to influence workflows to influence um, capabilities inside the business all of those people kind of live above the data um, and so the blog post was really about how do we start to kind of bring those two groups together? How do we start to, or how do we make sure that people who are kind of working with applications and, uh, and, and capabilities above the data, how do we make sure that they're aware and that they should talk to the people who are putting the platforms and technologies in place below it so that they can benefit from each other? And there's huge opportunities if you get the right technology underneath the data that you can bring to the people who are working above it. And, and that's kind of what I was, was sort of noodling about in the blog. So I think you missed a golden opportunity here uh, to put a image of an iceberg on your blog. <laughs> yes, yeah, you're probably right, actually. Yeah. <laughs> what you're trying to focus on is not what's below the water, but what's above it from our perspective, right? Yeah, exactly. And, and I guess... It's, this has been in my head for a little while, and, and where I started off with the blog was to, to talk about data management. And, and Justin, you've been with the company for a while, so you'll know that there was quite a long time we would talk about, we would say we were a data management company. Um, and I always found that that created two or three different reactions with companies that I spoke to. The first one was an outright, no, you are not. Um, <laughs> the second one was, was a kind of a, a skepticism about it. And the third one was, yeah, you and everybody else. And I always had found I had to kind of justify, well, what, what do I mean by data management? Um, and, and, and that's kind of where I, I started to go with it, is what we, what we do bring kind of below the data is a form of data management. It's just kind of different than, than people's perspectives. Um, so, and, and that's kind of where I said to, to, to roll this forward and think about, you know, as we start to talk now about data fabrics and helping people kind of bring data fabrics to life, I think there's a lot of kind of synergies with you know, how we used to talk about data management. And now as we're starting to talk about data fabric and kind of what that means to people. I'm old enough to remember when we were a storage company <coughs> and also a software company. Spoilers, <laughs> yeah. We've evolved quite a bit over the years here. Um, so yeah. in your in your blog, you kind of allude to, you know, big changes um, and, you know, how there's three major changes that have to happen. What, what are these changes and, and why did you break it down that way? So... I guess um, I guess there's well probably probably for a number of reasons. I think um, the first big change 
it was looking, I guess I looked at my history of kind of being with NetApp. And, um, you know, the when we when the company started, when NetApp first came about, I think we were doing something which kind of I thought was fairly unique, which was starting to bring capabilities like Snapshot, Snap Restore, those kind of um, almost kind of value kind of value-based functions. And I'd never seen that before. You know, I wasn't working for NetApp at the time. I was working for a partner. And it was the first time I'd seen a company doing something different with storage. They're sort of starting to almost add value to the users who were storing NFS or, or, or SMB data at the time, SIFS data at the time. So that was kind of where NetApp started. And then the, the, the first big change for me was as virtualization started to happen. And suddenly you had this, this group of people who were the, the sort of the virtualization specialist, virtualization admins, um, and there was real value in having the right kind of platform underneath it. The capabilities that we had, such as cloning, such as snapshots, created incredible advantage to those guys who were building out these virtual environments. But we had to go and find them. And we had to, you know, kind of get out there and find these people and show them that how having the right technology below their data could have a huge impact on the, the virtual environments they were building. So that was that kind of first change. It was this, this sort of this new group. And then I think the second change was we started to see kind of DevOps um, and, and sort of another new community starting to arise who were all about um, agility and being able to kind of accelerate test and development, you know, and um, CI/CD pipelines. And again, as a company, we being kind of below the data had to go out and find these people and show them that, again, having the right technology, the right platforms you know, completely API driven with cloning, with snapshots, all of those capabilities could really enhance their environment as these, this, this DevOps group. And now I think we're, we're kind of in that, that third big change or, you know, the, the third wave is, is kind of what we started to talk about at our, our sales kickoff and partner executive forum, which is that the groups are now becoming incredibly diverse. We've got people looking at IoT, at AI, at augmented reality, at genomics, at you know, high-frequency trading, you know, there's this mass of groups within our uh, the companies we interact with, and they're incredibly diverse. They're spread out all across our customers' businesses, and they only know what they know. And quite frequently, you know, a data scientist is an extremely intelligent individual and knows how to build um, kind of data pipelines in order to, to train algorithms, but probably isn't aware of, well, what could different technologies underneath the data do to enhance that? So that kind of third big change is now how do we as, a, as an organization and our partners, one, find who these new people are and what they're doing, but then also kind of connect them to, if you've got the right technology underneath the data, you can do so much more above the data. You know, and if you think of that data scientist, you know, what if I could create instant replicators of your, sorry, what if I could create an instant replica of your entire training data such that you could be training multiple algorithms in parallel? What if I provide snapshots such that you could have a history of every time you trained an algorithm of how you trained it and what data you used to train it going back over days or weeks or months? I, so you can suddenly see understanding the capabilities below the data can have this huge impact on the capabilities that you're trying to develop above it. In much the same way, I remember when uh, flex clones were first a technology that we had. That was the you know singular thing that once a DBA saw that capability, 
a thousand light bulbs went off in their head about how they were going to leverage that in just to limit the number of copies of the data that they had to have, uh, how they were going to make better use of their offsite, their secondary uh, site for DR copies, because they could just create a flex clone and run, run their reports off of that. Um, this is exactly what we're starting to see with, as you mentioned, those, those other markets like AI, for example, where all of these capabilities are, are going to continue to pay, you know, pay forward and enable these data scientists, as you mentioned, to accelerate their, their own objectives. Yes. And, that, and that's where I think this gets interesting is, is it's, up until now, it's been relatively easy to, break, to, to make the connection. You know, to begin with, we were selling to infrastructure people and we just we were convincing them that we had stories that could give them value for effectively backup and restore. And then it was, let's get to the application people and start to show the application people your health. Justin, you'll remember this. When somebody came in for a NetApp demo, I didn't, we didn't care what they were running. They had an exchange demo. We would do Snap Manager for Exchange because we wanted to kind of start to, to connect our value up into the application layer. And, and, you know, that continues to grow, but it's been, I think, it's been manageable up until now because we've been able to identify these groups, even kind of with DevOps and with VMware or for, for the virtualization teams. I just think we're, we're at a new kind of a new path on this now where suddenly IT is so fundamental across so, so much of what our customers are doing in terms of whether you call it transformation or not. Um, it, it's, it's how do how do we continue to kind of bridge that gap and how do companies recognize they need to continue to bridge that gap when the, the, the diversity is so broad? Yeah. And I mean, it's cause kind of pervasive across NetApp where we need to start, stop thinking about how the stuff works and we need to think, think more about how people are using it. Like <laughs> how are people consuming this stuff? Cause I mean, I've, I've been caught in this, this, you know, rut where, I'm like, oh, well, NFS, you mount it, and you have an export path, an injunction path, whatever, right? But nobody's really thinking about that when they're using it. What they're thinking about is, I want to get to my data. Um, how do I do that? And, yep. you know, having people, having that perspective of how people actually consume it is important to help you understand how you tell people to consume it. Yeah, and, you know, I think the, the last time I, I was it, I can't remember, the, did I did the podcast with yourself, or was it with um, Paul Stringfellow? It might have been Stringy, actually. And I did the cloud first, it was cloud first exclamation or cloud first question mark, which was this idea that a lot of companies had sort of made cloud first a mandate rather than a, a strategy. And you, I would ask people, you know, what's, what is your strategy? And they would say cloud first, you know, well, and then they get the bill. Yeah, exactly that. And, you know, because it's say technically that's a mandate, not a destination, you know, so, so what's your strategy to enable you to go cloud first oh, Amazon. Well, again, technically that's a destination, not a strategy. So you have a mandate and a destination. What's your strategy that will enable you to go cloud first with Amazon? And that's the point where people kind of go, uh, and as you say, Bill, what most companies did when they had that mandate was they literally just, the IT teams did what they were being told to do and they just took stuff and just dumped it into AWS or into one of the cloud providers and then saw the bill and then started to realize, okay, well, a strategy has to be a question and, and we have to be thinking it through or not. It's not a mandate. And, and I kind of think that this is where we're getting to here, that my, my fear is 
that with this incredible diversity of people in different roles who are exploiting technology in order to do these transformative things, my fear is that if we, if there isn't a strategy in place to deal with it, we'll end up, or companies will end up spending the next 10 years building a whole bunch of new silos that they've spent the last 15 years trying to get rid of. And, and it's this connection of how do you make sure that the people above the data are connected to the people below the data? What's the strategy that you'll have that will enable you to do that such that everybody has that kind of common decoder ring? Um, and I think that's where Data Fabric really comes in. And the fact that Gartner recently just endorsed that, you know, I think they, they believe, I think it was tech trend number six for data and analytics they believe the customers need to be identifying and defining and building their data fabric strategies. So, you know, this is all very interesting and, you know, people would like to, you know, adopt this sort of way of thinking, but can you give me some examples of when people have actually done this? Yeah. So I, I, I think there's kind of two or three, which are from, which kind of approach it from different angles. Um, I had a meeting with uh, a bank in the UK probably about six months ago um, and the reason this one really stuck in my mind was because we managed to get the CIO, the CTO, and the CFO all in the same room to have a meeting with us, which was um, kind of the perfect, the perfect kind of meeting you can get. Um, and I introduced myself. I didn't talk about kind of who NetApp are, what we do, but we did a, a kind of we went around the table so that everyone could introduce themselves, what they wanted to get from the meeting. And the CIO started and kind of laid, laid out what he what he wanted to say, and then it went to the CTO. And I remember. The CTO simply said, you know, we're, we currently have a lot of um, technology in our own data centers, which is growing. We're working with um, Microsoft Azure, but we want to work with Microsoft, with uh, AWS as well. Um, he said, and we need to put in place a new analytics platform, which is going to feed off a lot of our data. Um, and he said, I believe we need some form of data fabric in order to make that happen. And that was the first time. Yeah, yeah, you can imagine. I was sat in the room with a big smile on my face going, oh, this is going to be a great meeting. And, um, and that, that for me was that, that recognition that companies are saying when you've got all of those kind of activities, capabilities, requirements, you have to have a strategy that's going to underpin it. So that was, I thought, was quite interesting where it sort of really came to life. Um, the second one, you know, was um, a company that we, we work with who – They've never heard of NetApp. They're based solely in AWS, but built their business in there. And um, they happened to get in touch with one of our partners because they got their Amazon bill to back to bills again. And um, I think it was 80% of their Amazon bill was storage. And so they got in touch with their partner. Their partner was a NetApp partner as well that went in to see them. Um, and they, they, they chatted to the guys who were all cloud guys and said, you know, we could put in technology that might be able to reduce that cost. So they introduced um, ONTAP Cloud, or sorry, Cloud ONTAP, and um, put the, the data across. And even though they pay a subscription service for Cloud ONTAP, um, they actually reduced their bill from 80% down to 40%. It's Cloud Volumes yeah. ONTAP, Matt. Get, get, with the, there, get with the program, Matt. Keep <laughs> <laughs> correcting me. Somebody will pick up on that one. So, but again, that, that was that example of only you only know what you know, and you know they were just using and consuming storage and data services inside the hyperscaler because they thought that was the only way that they were able to do it. It wasn't until we kind of went in and said, well, actually, there's, there's these capabilities you could put in place below the data that would have this huge impact on it. 
So I think it's it's those kind of things that I think are really highlighting to me that um, getting the strategy right um, is is just more. It's going to become more and more important as we go forward. So so it sounds like if if I'm a if I'm running a a decent sized uh, company and I need to develop this data fabric strategy or if I need to understand how to get myself as as a C-level person closer to the data, I need to invite more people into the conversation. I need to have these discussions with, with the other, other people in my organization, understand what their needs are, understand you know, understand what their needs are, and then you know, work with your technology partners to uh, to develop the solutions to meet those needs. Yeah, I think it's I think it's exactly that. I think you know it's you know most. I I think I did a uh, well, I told a story fairly recently. It was a blog I did a little while ago. You know, pets and cattle and insects. You know, about the, the sort of the changing um, architectures that are going to sit behind applications as we go forward. Um, and companies will have a mix of these. The pets being the more traditional kind of more core, leg- probably more legacy type applications, the cattle being the, the, the big virtualized environments where you have hundreds if not thousands of virtual servers that are more like cattle, and then microservices going forward, which is more like insects, you know, tiny little microservices that come to life, behave more like swarms, you know, and, and that will live across an on-premises data center, it will live in service provider data centers, and it will live in the cloud. So when you start to think about that and you think about the diversity of technologies that are going to be there to support those different workloads across all of those different environments, it becomes incredibly important to, to make sure that, that you've got a strategy that, that, that's starting to, to, to give a, a, common, a common way of people understanding kind of what's below and what's above. Otherwise, this is going to get incredibly complicated incredibly quickly. And not only will it get complicated, probably get expensive, and you probably won't be taking advantage or benefiting as much as you could do from the right way of really applying and using technologies. Yeah, and if pets and cattle sound familiar, we did have Matt on to talk about those things. And episode 135, self-promotion <laughs> plug. <laughs> there we go. Fantastic. <laughs> but, yeah, so I think that's uh, I mean, that, that's where it came to me. I think, you know, it used to be data management. We used to talk about data management as a, a way of helping people understand that what we did and what we do is data management. It's just what our data management is kind of below the data. And a lot of what people think about data management is they think about kind of looking in from above. Um, data fabric, for me, kind of feels like the same thing, but 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 on a much, much broader scale. Data fabric is now how do we start to apply these capabilities below the data, whether it's on-premise, whether it's using um, hyper-converged platforms, whether it's using you know, um, multiple service provider platforms, whether it's using hyperscale platforms. And actually, Data Fabric is that kind of data management layer below the data in this this big hybrid multi-cloud world. So, Matt, you mentioned uh, this particular customer that lived in AWS, but or lived in Azure, but wanted to uh, start doing things with AWS or Google. Um, to what extent is data mobility being enabled by, by ONTAP and, and NetApp to what extent is that having an impact? Yeah, so it's, um, it's, it's a good question, right? and I think there's some really, really interesting stuff coming up in um, fairly soon in terms of how we continue to expand the, the, the scope of our portfolio to, to be able to manage these things in an even more um, simple and efficient way. Um, but, you, you know, you are right that, you know, as I think about these different cloud providers, 
we have now within our portfolio some really simple tools that enable us to select what's going to be the right way of getting data from one place to another in the most efficient way. Um, so, you know, we, if we connect to uh, two volumes in two different locations together and they happen to both be on tap, then we'll use our snap mirror technology. If we want to connect an on tap volume on premise into um, a, a cloud volume service within AWS, then we'll use, you know, CloudSync to be able to do it. So we're, we're now starting to, to really put in place um, within the portfolio tools that allow us to sort of connect any endpoint to any other endpoint in the most efficient way. And I think you'll start to see as we go forward that that will become more and more heterogeneous. It'll become more multi-cloud. You know, so that I, I think is a part of, of the capabilities we believe that we will need to help companies be able to, to bring as a part of their data fabric. And that's the big change, I think, that, that we've made this year. We started off spending a lot of time talking about it being NetApp data fabric. And the, the, the big shift this year is we do use data fabric as our own strategy. It guides our product development. It guides what we do as a company. But what we're now really focused on is how do we use this, this portfolio of tools and technologies that we've been building to help our customers bring their data fabrics to life. And every company we work with, their data fabric is going to look slightly different because of the choices they make as to the on-premise technologies that they're going to use and the cloud providers they want to work with. And what we've got to do is make sure that we provide that freedom of choice uh, that, that, that allows them to, to select the ones that are, are right for them and then bring the tools to connect those together for them. Do you have more questions, Dan, to pose to Matt? Um, how about uh, what's up, Matt? <laughs> No. What are you doing, <laughs> Matt? What? <clears throat> no, Matt, Matt I'm, I'm wearing my uh, NetApp A-Team shirt. Am, am I going to see you next month at our, uh, at our meeting in Sunnyvale? You are. Yes, absolutely. I'm going to be flying out on Saturday, and um, I'm going to be there for pretty much the whole week. So, yeah, I'm looking forward to uh, – it's always, it's always a lot of fun to come over and meet the, the A-Team. The, sorry, the A-Team. They're a, uh, they're a great group of, uh, of girls and guys, and um, – you know, also it's it's always an interesting week because I, I learned so much not just from 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 our people but from those guys from those guys and girls as well. I will be there as well. Yeah, we'll be uh, uh, cool. We'll be podcasting. We will. I was going to say, are you going to be live podcasting? Or are you, well, you I mean, yeah, it's it's not it's not quite six weeks from now, but we'll we'll get you on anyway. Man. It'll be a live recording. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Will it be on Twitch for the kids? No, it will not. <laughs> It'll be a live edited recording. That's right. So we've talked a lot about uh, this concept of data being above and below, um, but where could we find the actual blog post, Matt? So I mentioned um, earlier my blog is whats-innovating.com. You'll find the blog post there. And, and I think, you know, just to, for, for the people listening to this, you know, this well, this podcast is probably slightly shorter than others, and it's probably slightly more higher level than others. I'm, I'm not the deep technical guy that um, I know you have on a lot of these podcasts, um, but if people want that kind of that higher level, that, that sort of more I don't know, strategic kind of view of things or, or just kind of want to know what's happening in my head, which um, is a scary place to be sometimes, then you know, that's the kind of stuff I write about. Yeah, we you're welcome here too, Matt. We don't we don't just have to be technical, even though we're the tech on tap podcast. We yeah. want we want to think about things from a higher level. <laughs> it's good for us as well. I mean, we don't want to get too much in the weeds because then it, it you lose focus and people don't want to really think about it too much. Yeah, it's we, a, it's a data below and above thing for us as well. All right, so again, Matt, if we wanted to reach you on social media, how do we do that? 
Twitter is at MTJ Watts, um, which is where I'm trying to spend most of my time. I'm obviously on LinkedIn as well. And again, you can contact me through my blog. All right. Thanks so much for joining us, Matt. All right, that music tells me it's time to go. If you'd like to get in touch with us, send us an email to podcast at netup.com or send us a tweet at NetUp. As always, if you'd like to subscribe, find us on iTunes, SoundCloud, and Stitcher or via techontappodcast.com. If you like the show today, leave us a review. On behalf of the entire Tech on Tap podcast team, I'd like to thank Matt Watts for joining us today. As always, thanks for listening. Oh, yeah. Is it just me that's getting off on this? Oh, yeah.